The Geotechnical Engineering Podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network, which can be found at cement.media. That's cement, C-E-M-E-N-T dot media. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Geotechnical Engineering Podcast, a podcast focused on helping geotechnical engineers stay up to date with technical trends in the field. I'm your host, Jared Green, and I've practiced as a geotechnical engineer for over 18 years. And in addition to practicing engineering, I enjoy mentoring young engineers and first-generation college students. I focused on helping to increase the number of pre-college students that are interested in STEAM majors and fields. By STEAM, I mean science, technology, engineering, art, and mathematics. In this episode of the Geotechnical Engineering Podcast, I'll be talking to Art Alzamora, who's not only a principal and vice president at Langen Engineering and Environmental Services, but he's also a good friend. We started our careers and grown our careers together at this firm. He will be talking to us about his career advancements, and he'll also be talking about how he attacks his day and what it means to grow a team at a company. Art has over 17 years of experience in geotechnical engineering, specializing in aspects related to geotechnical engineering, such as design of excavation support systems and foundation design, just to name a few. He currently serves on the board of directors of ACE Mentoring, as well as a handful of charity organizations as well. Arthur is the past president of the Metropolitan Section of the American Society of Civil Engineers, and he's served on the executive committee for the New York chapter of the American Council of Engineering Companies. He also serves on numerous committees for the American Council of Engineering Companies. Arthur has served as an adjunct faculty member at Manhattan College and has also been fortunate to be recognized by Engineering News Record and American Society of Civil Engineering with industry-related awards and is proud to be a part of the amazing team at Langen Engineering and Environmental Services. And with that, let's jump right into our conversation with Art Alzamora. All right, welcome to another episode of the Geotechnical Engineering Podcast. Art, glad to have you here. How you feeling, man? I'm doing good. Thanks, Jared. Thanks for having me. This is great. Well, we already went through your bio, which is indeed impressive. Walk us through, you know, our listeners that are here, in your own words, what's it like, a typical day for you at Langen? What is it that you do for the firm? My typical day now, as opposed to what it was maybe 10, 15 years ago, is drastically different, right? I would say years ago, I would have woke up early, went to a job site, started working on a job site, things like that. So nowadays, I spend a lot of my time, especially this day and age, on a lot of conference calls, a lot of Zoom calls like this one, a lot of uh, web shares, a lot of items where I'm answering phones, not just from clients and say agency folks, but also a lot of my own team where I'm almost every morning having like a daily debrief with most of my team project managers uh, in different disciplines, geotechnical as well, and just kind of go through that. A majority of my time now is spent at home as opposed to where I do go into the office. We go in every other week. We have different, so I'm in one of the pods that goes in one week. And it's good because I get a chance to go visit job sites and, and go around. So depending on if I'm in the city for the week or not, I may actually be popping around a few different job sites 
and checking things out and checking on some staff and seeing how things are going. So a lot changed, I guess, with the recent promotion coupled with the pandemic. I mean, it's been great because when I'm not, I live outside the city, as most of the people do in tri-state areas. So a lot of times when I am working remotely, I'm cutting out a substantial amount of commuting time. It could be working, reviewing reports, working on other parts of projects and things like that. I enjoy both. I enjoy being on job sites, being in person, and I also enjoy being at home to get things done. We're still in pandemic, but I feel like I'm working more or less these days. I feel like I'm working a lot more. I feel like the hours are a little longer than, you know, this is unprecedented time. So it's on calls for unprecedented measures. So there are times where you got to take calls late, take calls early. It's different, right? Like when you were in the city every day, we'd be walking around to project sites, project meetings, and you spend a lot of time commuting to in-person meetings. Now you can line up a meeting one right after the other. It seems like there's more time in the day now. I'm sure you feel the same way at times. So it's fascinating how much you can get done, right? And it's fascinating how much right. doesn't get done at the end of the day. I stopped writing those lists, man. It's uh, I don't want to be reminded. But if you go post-pandemic, do you see some of the ways that you're working still trickling over to when things are back to whatever that new normal looks like? Maybe if I pull back the curtain a little bit, I think there's going to be some good aspects that come out of this pandemic from a remote working opportunity. I think it's going to give people opportunities to work in other areas of the country and not necessarily be present in those areas. My wife worked with us for a little while before uh, she went to a different engineering firm at the time. But um, when we first started having children, she was working remotely a few days of the week. Our family was already accustomed to working remote for a very long time. So a lot of this stuff wasn't anything new to us. We already had some good things. So I think as long as folks can remain productive and actually, you know, remain happy at what they're doing, I I think we can find this hybrid in-person and at-home type work environment be great for folks. I've been able to do things that I never thought I would, like, you know, on occasion cook breakfast for the family and kids. And uh, we're a family of early risers. So it's not uncommon at 6 a.m. at our house, everybody is wide awake and ready to to take on the day. The problem is schools doesn't start till nine. If they're working remotely, you got to find three hours of activities before, uh, because we're not turning on TVs and stuff. So that's something that working in a tri-state area, I think most people listening to this and yourself included see these shows on TV where the father's cooking breakfast for the family before work. And I was like, what? Like, that's crazy. Like, but let's just talk about the health and well-being of that. It's fantastic. It feels great. Make a, some pancakes and be on a conference call by 7.30 a.m. And I've tackled a couple different tasks for today already. So it's pretty tremendous. Like it's, I think th- those are some of the good byproducts of what this has brought on. How did Art Alzamora end up in engineering? And then how did you end up in geotechnical engineering? Did you just, were you born and you said, I want to be an engineer when I grow up? Like, how did you get here? So it's funny, as you get older, I'm sure you agree with this. You kind of reflect on how you got to where you're at and what are the the very slight decisions you've made in your life that led you down this way. It's not, there's very little slight left or right turn. And next thing you know, you end up at a path. I would say at a very, very young age, my mother mentioned to me about engineering, I'd say very young, probably like first or second grade, because I was good at math, right? And the typical response from people, you should be an engineer. And and even at that age, I had no idea what they were, you know, thought they drove trains, which they do, but not our types of engineers. And then um, 
I remember as a kid, like going throughout the city and seeing bridges, you know, Brooklyn Bridge, George Washington Bridge, and going through, I, I was always fascinated with tunnel. Like just always, my mother would be like, we're going under the water. And I'd be like, oh, this is amazing. You know, and in my mind, I'm picturing this, like it's from the movie Jaws and we're walking through this glass tube, like suspended in the water. All these sort of things you start to put together. But for years, all through school, I would say, I'm going to be an engineer. I'm going to be an engineer, not really knowing what they were. And as I got older, I started to learn a little bit more. I took some architecture classes in high school, learning to draw and, uh, you know, buildings and isometric views. And I started really enjoy that stuff. I wouldn't fit the mold of an architect in my mind. I, I wasn't nearly as uh, creative as I believed. And then all through school, I just want to be a structural engineer. I really want to do structures and I love steel and concrete. I think it was my maybe sophomore year to junior year range. I took an internship at a geotechnical firm and worked in a geotechnical lab for an entire summer and just absolutely fell in love with it. Just really enjoyed it. I just understood it better than I thought I would have. It just made sense. You know, sometimes you sit in classes and you things just don't click. Those are the sort of things that really clicked. It just made sense, like soil particles, soil interaction, that sort of thing just kind of made sense to me. And then I started spending a lot of time on construction sites. I mean, I had had some internships before that. It was good. I knew what I didn't want to do, which was I spent a lot of time, you know, figuring out even in high school, working at engineering firms, trying to understand what I didn't want to do. So by the time I graduated school, I had probably close to three years of real experience in geotechnical engineer and had done two or three other engineering disciplines I knew I didn't want to do. Then you start to so get back to that full circle I get to my point where I think about it now and I start remembering, you know, sitting on a construction site with my father and picking up soil and crushing it in my hands and, you know, playing on the piles that everyone, a lot of kids do. There's a reason why that, those memories stick in my head. I still find myself to this day going on job sites and picking up soil in my hand and crushing it and just like, now I obviously have a different understanding of why the soil is staying clumped together and, you know, things like that. And, and I'm maybe feeling a little more granular, but really it goes back to like life full circle. Like thinking back to a kid playing and, you know, while my father's working on an excavator or a backhoe and uh, watching soil being piled and stacked along the side and, and then spending a lot of time doing that and really coming full circle and realizing geotech is, I get it, or it gets me maybe is the way I should say it. Like it gets me. That's kind of how I got to that. I wouldn't say it's a, it was an easy, like I went in school as a freshman and said this one, I didn't even know what a geotechnical engineer was until later in school. Actually, probably when I started applying for internships in geotechnical engineering is when I really, really got a really good understanding of what it was. You know, you took the classes, but I understood what it was. So it was pretty tremendous. Well, you think about it, you're a principal in Langen. You're one of the office leaders in our New York City office. What would you tell the listeners about career growth? What has worked for you or what has been working for you? When we were coming up through school, I remember hearing a lot of people saying, to be successful, you have to switch jobs. You have to switch jobs. You have to switch jobs. Like you want that next job. You got to always be looking for the next best thing and always looking to expand, expand, expand. And at the time, I felt like, and this is, you know, years ago, they would say, you don't want to stay at one place for too long. You don't want to pigeonhole yourself and that sort of thing. And I would say, kind of done the complete opposite. I look at a firm like ours, and I see a lot of the senior leadership has all started in 
had their career all through Langham and it's been great. So I look at one of my things I think about is, you know, having that dedication to be the best that I can in the firm that I'm at and really be allowed to grow has been fantastic. And I think not putting myself in a situation where I'm always looking, the old saying is always the case where the grass is always greener. Folks always look what's always great. If you take that mentality with every aspect of your life, then you're just going to be searching around. And it's not called settling. You're not settling for anything. You're just being happy in the moment. I think about those things. And I think the culmination of that, what it comes down to me is I never started this, my career as a job. I always took it as a career. I always took it in my mind as this is my career. This is what I want to do. There are times like there are in every aspect of someone's life that is this the right decision for me? Should I be doing this? Am I a better fit somewhere else? Do I, am I the puzzle piece that makes this complete puzzle? I had all those exact same thoughts and ideas and were like, oh, maybe I'd be better off doing this. But it wasn't like I stuck it out. It was just like, and no, I, you know, there's nothing wrong with reevaluating it and continuing on the way that I felt that I should and really have a very good mindset ahead of me, you know, have like a, a good three, five-year plan. One of the keys though, is having good mentors around you at all times. If you don't have a good mentor, go get one, like go find good mentors. And, and I've been very fortunate to have a lot of mentors in my life show up at the exact time that I needed them. Selfishly, they think I probably gave them more than they did. In reality, I took a lot more from them than they probably know I did. So I think those are some of the my thoughts on the leadership, right? Like, don't be so quick to look elsewhere. For a lot of our younger listeners, it's helpful to hear that. I mean, I think you and I can remember times, you know, you're on a pile job and you're there to make sure the pile gets down the final driving criteria and it gets kind of old after the first 500 piles, right? And you're looking, you know, I got 2,000 more, right? And my feet are wet, right? And it's like, where's the end goal here, right? But, um, you know, we go into to make a difference. And you definitely made your impact on the city skyline. And uh, that's really powerful. And I think that you say a really good thing about mentoring, because without our mentors, where are we, right? I think people think that they go at it alone. And even some of the billionaires in this world who probably people are stand up to give them awards and put them on podiums and all this sort of thing. Well, they still have a huge team of people behind them that have got them to where they're at and no one goes at it alone. Having those mentors, having those folks who have your best interest in mind is key. And really that's how you develop your leadership, your dedication to your profession and your career. There's definitely those dark days when it's a Friday night, six o'clock on your birthday and you're driving piles, uh, sitting on a, a rig somewhere. And the last thing you want to be doing is uh, freezing and standing there. But those are some of the magical moments that we think back to now. Like, hey, think of the person I wouldn't be if I didn't have that in my mind. When you think about where your career is now, you're a principal, but you're still responsible for a lot of technical review and technical calculations and things of that sort. But a lot of what you do now is growing the careers of others. Think back at when you started. What are some of the things that you wish you knew then that you knew now? Like if you could see younger art. I remember younger art when you started, but what would you tell yourself, man? I think something I've learned over time is to be a lot more patient and listen. 
those who do know me know that I talk a lot. As my mother would say, I could talk the bark off a tree. I still don't know what that means, but I don't think it's a good thing. At the end of the day, like I've learned as someone who talks a lot to try and work on listening. My older self telling my younger self, hey, listen to your mentors. They have your best interests in mind and be patient, think, listen, and before you react, like don't be so emotional and so reactive, be more proactive. Those are the sort of things that proactiveness, I think, is something that uh, I take serious now. And we're not just talking career and talking life in general. Let's think about the future. Let's try to think four or five steps ahead. If you're playing a chess game, you're not going to want to wait to see what your opponent does and then start thinking about your moves. You're trying to think ahead. And I think these are the sort of things. It's funny. I think if you put me and me 15 years ago in the same room, you'd, you'd notice where you'd probably be like, these are two entirely different people. And that should be the case, right? Like you have a family, you have children, you have life has been different, right? It's not what you expected or it is what you expected and things have changed. So, One of the things I really admire about you working alongside you all these years is that you're like super engaged and super active within the engineering community. You're always looking to give back. Can you just tell us a little bit more about like, why is that important to you? And also what are some of the things that you're doing? Like, why is it important to you? Why are you so active outside of your busy schedule at work? And of course, home. I love being involved. Like I I like being part of the industry. I made it a conscious decision in younger in college that I wasn't just going to sit by and watch an ASCE meeting happen or sit by and watch an engineering. We had the, when I was in my community college, we had an engineering team that were a group that we met. I never liked sitting by and watch things pass me by. I liked being in those groups because really I, I felt that collaboration and acceptance and things come together very well when you're working in that group mentality. And, and I like the team aspect. I like those aspects of it. It allows us to know what our peers are doing, to know what our peers are thinking and kind of, I want to say, be on the cutting edge of many things or many decisions. I mean, I mean, wouldn't it be great to see like a New York Times article come out and already know about it, like know about it ahead of time, like just know about these things. And I think a lot of that being part of that, those groups and those teams allows you those sort of things, whether it's ACEC, ASCE, ACE mentoring, things like that. And I think you'll be surprised. A lot of people look at these situations as, hey, this is taking time away from other things that I want to do. But again, I look at it selfishly. I'm not taking time from me. I'm taking time from that. I'm taking time with people in those groups that I would never get to know because I don't work with them or they're work for a city agency or state agency that I don't interact with. I'm getting to know them on a different level. I'm getting to spend time with them. I'm working to put together a panel discussion with them and I get to hear their perspective, a perspective I've never heard before. And it kind of puts me in a whole different mindset. Wait, that's a good point. You don't know what you don't know. I didn't know that. Thank you for telling me. These are the sort of things that I, I look at these groups. And whenever someone asks me, hey, can you help out with this? Those are the 20 or so checklist items that go through my brain in five seconds. And I know, Jared, you're similar to me in that aspect because I know we smell our own. But at the end of the day, like those are the sort of things like I have more reasons to be part of those things than I do to not be part of those things. And also, if you say no too many times, you're not going to get any more requests. 
as long as you're upfront and you manage those sort of things and you put your priority, those who hear these things or know me or say, maybe you do too much. Like I coach my kids in sports. I'm active in their life. I'm very active outside, but I plan my day down to the minute and I plan my times and I plan my times to sit with my family and be with my family. Like I plan those sort of things. And again, that's stuff that I've, I've started to learn for the rest of my life. I'll be working on time management. Everyone will be. Those are also important items. Those are the things that make really make me the person I am. Like that is tough decision. If I had to pick an engineering like group over a family activity, it would be a tough, I'd have to handle that situation as it is. I have an idea what the decision would go. Family would probably reign supreme. Those are tough. I guess one way to avoid it is give me an award and maybe I'll uh, make sure I make it there. But those are the sort of things I think people should be asking themselves. There's this amazing study by Linda Vanderkamp. She had wrote a study about like time management and she did a TED talk and it's a pretty famous TED talk. And she just talks about how much time people waste. They just waste. And one of the first things I do when I'm mentoring people is I I lay out a time. They ask me the same question you just asked, like, how do you do it? Like, how do you do all this stuff? And I have them write a time diary and you find out they're just, I remember doing one time with one project manager And he lost three hours a day in the office, like just walking around and checking in with people. I remember he was complaining because he was on a job site and he would come back to the office and a typical day, he'd go get a cup of coffee and then, hey, I need to go see how Jim's doing. And then walk over to him and walk to this guy and walk that. And by the time he added up all those 10 minute, 15 minute increments, he was losing three hours. I was like, there, you can have dinner with your wife at home. You can't cut that three hours down to 30 minutes and be home in time. And, and I think that's what happens with a lot of people. Like I don't play video games. I don't do a lot of these other things. I do like to watch movies and TV and stuff like that, but there's times that it's not important to me. So I I think those are the sort of things that, that I take pretty serious. So hopefully I didn't ramble on too much. I'm learning as well. I mean, the reality is that you're going to make time for what's important. And, you know, something's not important, you're not going to make time for it. And if you're not accounting for that, you're wasting a lot of time. So We're going to take a moment here. It's a good moment to pause on. We'll come right back in a minute to close this one out with our career factor safety in segment. Stick around. All right, welcome back. It's time for our career factor safety in segment. In geotechnical engineering, just like many disciplines of engineering, it's important to incorporate a factor of safety into your design. But what about incorporating a factor of safety into your actual career? Today, of course, we're speaking with Art Alzamora. Art, I'd like to pick your brain for a minute on productivity. You're the leader in a large organization. You sit in a seat that, honestly, many engineers would aspire to. How do you decide what to work on each day? And when you have so many things you're responsible for, how do you figure that out and provide yourself a factor of safety against unproductivity? Because you don't have time to be unproductive. That's a good question, Jared. I think it's also a tough question. I'll go back to, you know, we talked earlier, my younger self and older self. If you asked me two years out of my college, I would believe that I was a master multitasker. Like I could do five things at one time. And and that came from years working in short order cook and restaurants where you could cook multiple things and have different things cooking at different temperatures throughout. But as I've gotten older and more experienced, I've realized that there's really is no such thing as multitasking. What we refer to as multitasking a lot of time is unproductivity. 
when I work on a task and I stop that task, go to another task and then go to another task and go to another task, I'm basically trying to work on four things at once. I'm not being productive and getting anything done. I'm actually losing time. In the long run, that the time suck is moving further and further and further. A lot of times what I try to do is maybe the night before I go to bed or first thing early in the morning, you know, I, I'm looking over my schedule a day or two in advance and seeing what calls, what meetings we have, which blocks of times I have. A lot of times I'm coordinating with my wife on uh, bringing kids here and there and things like that. So what I do is I'll work with my team to help me identify what things we need to focus on first or what was next in the queue sort of thing. So I can really put all my time on one thing directly. And that's kind of how my day goes that if someone comes in with, I mean, there's always going to be those last minute, like, Hey, I need you to look at this. I need these sort of things to happen. I need you to jump on this call. Those things are going to happen. And hopefully you have enough as a contractor to say you have enough float in your schedule to make up the time at the end of the day. But I really think it's really key for me to get input from others as to what is important. I've made this joke before where I say it's like when I'm trying to wash dishes or do laundry at home, I do have to ask my wife, well, what do you want me to do first? Because what will make you more happy? Like if I have a higher likelihood of getting one task done over getting both tasks done, which task do you really want done? Most times she'll say the laundry because she doesn't like to sort socks. So, and I don't mind doing that. There's something very zen about sorting socks. So that's one of the things like I take that to heart that, hey, sometimes I do need help from, you know, one of my senior managers that I work with a lot to say, hey, what do I need to focus on? What do you need me to make your day easier? No one works for us. We work for everybody. So really, they're managing up. They're helping me manage my time. All right. Thank you so much for coming on and thank you for sharing all the great insights with us. You share great information and advice. I know it's going to be helpful for our listeners. Where can the listeners find you? In your social media or email address? What's the best way for people to find out more about you? I'm trying to get better at it. My 2021 resolution is LinkedIn. I'd say Arthur Alzamora on LinkedIn. Or my email is first initial last name at Langan, L-A-N-G-A-N.com. It's pretty quick Google search. Most of all that contact info will pop up pretty quickly. And if you see me, please feel free to interrupt me and say hello and ask me questions, whatever you like. Always looking to engage. Thank you, Art, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Great. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, and or questions. Please feel free to go to geotechnicalengineeringpodcast.com, where you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, that being episode 19, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. Until next time, we wish you the very best in all your geotechnical engineering endeavors. Peace. The Geotechnical Engineering Podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network. The opinions on the show are those of the host and guests, not their employers. For information on EMI's people and project management skills training programs for civil engineers, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.